We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by M-Prize Bank, your partner in possible. Who you do business with is more important than where they're located. Bank from the comfort of your own home with M-Prize Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory Podcast with Ken Swanson, Craig Stout, and Matt Lane. And now, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory It's a live edition of the Casey Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank member FDIC Matthew Lane. This time next week, we will all be together. We will all be at Pizza Bar. We will all be breaking down. I don't know what I don't know. That, that, what the Carolina Panthers have done at least. Maybe a few more teams. We are so close, my friend. We we are. We're we're right on the uh the doorstep. We're right on the stoop. We're we're waiting to bust in to the uh Kansas City's uh, draft kicking off, and we are going to be live. We're going to be talking so much. Talk- we are going to be doing so much talking. It's going to be great. All of our voices and throats are going to feel phenomenal after doing all of this talking for hours and hours. It's going to be so much fun. Maddie, I have a question. Uh, are you trying to break into people's houses out there? I mean, the intro of we're right on the doorstep, we're ready to break this door down. Like, are you doing some minor robberies around your house? <laughs> Wasn't me, to quote Shaggy, <laughs> and my spot on 810 earlier today, where we may have went down that bit as well. Okay, Ooh. gotcha. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I thought Chiefs Holic's accomplice just revealed himself for a second. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Let's call it the like, there, buddy. Yeah, a legend, yeah. a legend accomplice. Okay. Yeah, we can't throw that around too much. But hit the like button, hit the subscribe button if you're watching. Appreciate everybody that is. Uh, obviously we are one week out. A lot has happened. A lot is happening, you know, left and right flying all over the place. Um, and there's news to react to too, but, um, we're going to start with Brett Veach's press conference here, I think, because I mean, the man gets on the mic once, you know, one time really before the draft starts and this is the big one. So you kind of try to glean whatever you can from it to kind of see if there's a hint here or there. And I will just say this. There's probably something that we'll look back and point to in, you know, in in 
nine days ago. See, Brett Beach talked about it in his presser. Good luck figuring out which one it is. <laughs> like, there's always something, there's a nugget of truth that winds up coming true after the draft reveals itself and all that. But um, there was there were plenty of interesting things. We'll start with the left tackle position and just the tackle position uh, in general. Um, Maddie, I know that's something you kind of very much noticed off the top when they were talking about Jawan Taylor, the tackle position. What were your thoughts? Yeah, so when Andy Reid um, had his presser earlier in the week, a lot of people picked up all the fact that he said if we add or if we get a left tackle, he can move back to right tackle, and people kind of started to run with it. Then Brett Veach essentially used the exact same phrase, and I think people were kind of getting, I don't want to say like excited or anything, just it was becoming a big deal. But when I listened, I really just got the vibe that they were like, hey, Jawan Taylor, we told him he's going to play left tackle. We paid him to play left tackle. He's excited to play left tackle. But if we also get a left tackle for whatever reason, we do, he does have the versatility to obviously go back to the right. Like, I didn't think there was any leaking of a plan. I don't think the Chiefs are sitting there thinking we should go after a left tackle. It sounded to me, Brett Veach and even Andy Reid really are very, very much okay with Jawan Taylor playing left tackle. It sounds like he's excited to. If you check out his workout videos from recently, he's in a left-handed pass set. So, like, you know, I I think Jawan Taylor, as of right now, is the plan at left tackle. Beach also, we can touch on this too, went on to talk a lot about the current right tackles on the team, what they are seeing with what they want to go in that direction or what they have. So, like, I felt pretty confident that Jawan Taylor's probably your day one starting left tackle. Yeah, I feel pretty confident about that as well. Brett Veach talked a lot, it, you know, to go to Maddie's point there about Lucas Niang and how he really made sure to emphasize he won the right tackle job before he was injured and that he is in, you know, th- this is best shape of your life season right now. It, it just is. It's the the leading edge of that, but he really does look good, you know, as far as that is. I think people will reference maybe back to the Super Bowl, seeing him standing there. He looked a lot slimmer, a lot more in shape than we've seen him in his time in Kansas City. I think the Chiefs do have some high hopes for him there. And then he also kind of acknowledged that the guy right behind him, Prince Tiga Winogo, and then the guy behind him, Darian Kennard, and that they were going to try all three of those guys out at tackle. They were going to give that opportunity to that guy. I mean, frankly, yes, we look at that position. We say, okay, offensive tackle position of need a little bit. I can see the Chiefs feeling okay enough with those guys unless a super premium one somehow fell into their lap i can see them convincing themselves hey this is good enough we can get by with this Jawan taylor can play left tackle and we are going to just be good to go here so that that was my takeaway from brett presser about the offensive tackles as well yeah i mean he went out of way to out of his way to m- remind people that niang won the job at one point um i I, I would, I mean, I'd consider Niang the favorite. Now, you know, that doesn't preclude, preclude them from taking one if the value falls. Uh, you know, Darnell Wright's a right tackle. I mean, that's what he is. So just take him. <laughs> if he's there at 31, problem solved, right? Like, you so just, that, you, we're not talking offense, but you read that Bob McGinn article, uh, you know, there's some, there's some flags flying or Darnell Wright right now. We aren't, we aren't talking too much off. Don't believe what you hear in April anyway. I believe some of it. Don't don't believe that what you hear in April anyway. <laughs> uh Charles Charles Menehue, uh one quick comment, just kind of interesting how big of an emphasis on him playing along the interior is. 
you know, like, hey, we want him rushing from, like, it seems like they're very intentional about him rushing from the interior on on third downs. Found that a little bit interesting, Maddie. Yeah, um, I don't hate it, obviously, right? Like, he's a very good pass rusher on the interior. He did a lot of work from there, especially on stunts and games while he was in San Francisco. It's so, like a good thing. And they were really talking up the versatility. But boy, and I line up the Chiefs defensive ends best rushes from outside. Charles Dominihues are definitely the best. So I don't know why you would want to like reduce him inside and not have that be a Mike Dana, not have that be a Tershawn Wharton, even George Karloftis, just because none of those guys rush as well as Charles Omenihu does on the outside. I do not think that this means Charles Omenihu is going to play 100% of the third down snaps on the inside, right? I didn't take it that way. I mean, Chris Jones like doesn't that. even. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they, and then later on, Brett Veach talked about how versatility at all positions, but specifically for defensive line, Steve Spagnuolo is one of the highest rated traits or something that they look for, right? So I think he was just going down that avenue. And yeah, you're going to see it some, but man, I, I have a hard time with the current defensive end room getting Charles Omenihue off of the defensive end spot for somebody else to take his place. Yeah, nail on the head by Maddie there. And I think it was also very telling just to kind of dovetail the defensive end edge conversation a little bit here. Um, Brett Veach kind of alluded to there's a number of guys that are out there that we are going to be talking to after the draft. And a lot of this was focused around the running back position. I don't know if we're going to talk about that here in a little bit or not. But immediately what came to mind for me, because the original question was about Jarek McKinnon, but immediately what came to mind for me is Carlos Dunlap, Frank Clark are out there. You wanted to tell me that you're going to line up, you're going to play Frank Clark on the edge in these sub packages with Chris Jones, Charles O'Minahue and George Karloftis, I totally understand why Charles O'Minahue was on the inside in that group. I, I get it with that sort of addition there. Certainly any one of those guys can play on the inside. Any one of them can play on the outside. There's that versatility that you're looking for there. But the O'Minahue comment and then the comment about there's some guys out there after the draft, we'll see how it shakes out and we'll see what's out there with some of these previous guys. Just, I jumped to defensive end. I think and specifically, Beach said that they lost some guys. He said that we lost some guys in the defensive end, yes. but then a couple of them are still available. It's specifically Correct. referencing Carlos Dunlap and Frank Lloyd. Like he very much, and then he, I think, I believe he said we'll see even after yeah, that. Like he there was like a, there was like a for like now or something. We'll see. And then he kind yeah. of went off into something else. So like that was one of my bigger takeaways in the whole thing. One of those two guys, I think, is going to be in at least contact, you know, about coming back at some point in time. Did we both? Didn't mean to cut you off. No, that's fine. I, I was, I had that whole thing you just said dialed up. It's okay. Okay, now say it again, Kent, but only in your words. I want to hear it come it's out of good. your face. The vibe. And we'll have Tucker clip both and see which is better. The vibe is wrong. It's, it's gone. It's dead. It's it, like when hit the just like in basketball. I. Uh, all right. So I want to, I'm, we'll, we'll get to the comments about the receiver position. Let's, let's start with the just overall arcing comments about the receiver position. Keep Zay Flowers name out of your mouth because we'll talk about all that in a second, but vibes on how, how he really feels about the receiver position, Matthew. I don't know if there was a lot in there to honestly take away. I, I really don't. Um, he said a lot about how they like the guys they have. They feel confident they can go line up and play a game tomorrow. But then he said the whole roster's like that. And I'm like, hey, you guys legitimately only have one nose tackle on your roster. So, like, we know a lot of that's just lip service at at least a couple positions. 
Um, so I felt a little bit. I didn't feel like there was this supreme confidence in wide receiver. They talked a lot about versatility. Brett Veach specifically said, hey, at wide receiver, we like guys that can play outside and inside and do everything. Kind of look at their wide receiver room. Who plays outside and inside and does everything? Even when he was talking about Kadarius Toney not being physically limited to do everything, he straight up said, yeah, he hasn't really been a vertical receiver in college or with the Giants. But hey, that one game against Jacksonville, you kind of saw it, but people might not remember it was a slant flat RPO that they pumped the slant and then had him run a fade in which there was zero separation. It was just a great catch. So like, I don't know. It didn't, I didn't come away with extreme confidence. They're like, yes, this wide receiver room is set, but I also don't really have any evidence to say, haha, they're definitely going to do something about it. Yeah. I mean, he went through and he said, we can certainly line up with those five and play today. And you know, he, he says that in this pre pre-draft presser a lot. I think it was very telling that he made sure to say, you know, the the most important thing for Kadarius is, you know, getting healthy and being healthy through camp. So, I mean, like, it, that, those were some of the first things that came out of his mouth. We talk a lot about Kadarius, Tony's health. The fact that Brett Veach is even, you know, saying that about him. It's like, listen, checkmark number one is making sure you're healthy because we believe, you know, he did go on effusive praise for his intelligence, his ability to pick up the playbook, his ability to come in mid-season. They did say that they condensed the playbook down a little bit. He certainly said that, I think, for Sky Moore's, you know, confidence there because Canarius got on the, fo- the field immediately, but said, you know, expanding his role, working through that. But the first thing is making sure that he gets healthy and gets through training camp. That is massive. If you are saying about about the guy that you believe has more to show and has wide receiver one ceiling, that means that you don't trust that individual to be healthy all season. And if that's the case, that tells me a lot about the wide receiver position, tells me a lot about the priority there. I do wonder if that means that there is going to be an increased focus on that position early in the draft. We talked a lot about it, but especially very early in the draft. Yeah, I mean... You, you don't like to the guy that has been kind of claimed as wide receiver one. You don't like to hear the injury comments about him, you know, and I, I, the chiefs, the chiefs know, like we all have these comments about wide receiver one and Kadarius Tony's health. The chiefs know the health stuff too. Like and Brett just said it, you know, like, so it's worth monitoring, especially considering we'll talk about the trade up stuff here in a second, because it might stem from players, you know, it might stem from some players that we're about to talk about here. Uh, the Chiefs are just having rookie or, you know, draft eligible receivers at their fake OTA in Dallas. This is great. <laughs> like, the, like Patrick Mahomes is organizing like this incredible OTA program, more or less down in Texas. He's getting a ton of work. He's getting a ton of work with all these, you know, receivers that are already on the team. And they're just so happening to use TCU facilities and Quentin Johnston showing up. And all of a sudden, Zay Flowers, uh, we'll see if he volunteered or if the Chiefs asked. Like, there's a little bit of, like, gamesmanship there about who actually initiated this play date between Zay Flowers and Patrick Mahomes. I really don't care. I think it's awesome. So you're seeing a couple of, uh, you're seeing a couple of, like, draft eligible receivers that are hanging out with Patrick Mahomes the last couple days at, uh, at OTA South. And it's awesome. But it also kind of brings the question, Zay Flowers, we don't really anticipate to be there at 31. Uh, it might require a trade-up. The 
in t- the way the conversation around the water around the wide receiver position kind of presented itself. Um, yeah, I think they're open to adding more talent to that group early, uh, and maybe earlier than thirty-one. And I, I, there were some interesting comments you kind of thought about with with the with the trade up, uh, with the trade up stuff, Matthew. Yeah. Um. So like the first and foremost is the, the trade back stuff was mentioned, and then Brett Veach kind of said, uh, pretty, pretty much straight up, like, yeah, it was treated as a joke. And then at one point in time, it really wasn't a joke. And then he yeah. tried to walk it back and say, oh, but now that we're here, it's possible. Ah, you know, I don't, I don't think it's that possible. I would say the likelihood that they trade back one, you'd have to have someone has to come up. But I think the likelihood they trade back is very, very, very slim. Um, the, the whole rationale behind, oh yeah, but that gives fans more reason to come out on Friday to watch us make more picks after not being there, after picking nobody on Thursday, I thought was hilarious. So yeah, I'd sign up for it. I think I've said that on this show. Sign me up. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I'm not a big trade back fan in a weak draft class. Uh, it's not Never, a, I get, not it. A move, I not get a move, it. But no, in a weak draft class, you're going to load up on not good. Anyway, that's a different conversation. Um. Trading up. So that was trade back. I don't think it's happening. Trading up was brought up twice, and then we got the details of their process of organizing a trade up. If they say they wanted to break it down into, he goes, I don't know, tiers, let's call it 20 to 30. We would start calling teams within two spots to either side. So let's say I'd call teams from pick, from pick 18 to pick 30. We'll kind of set up the parameters before the draft starts. That's common. That's very normal. I just think it was noteworthy the range he was talking, 20 to 30. Like, you could have very easily been a shorter range, a smaller range, could have gone farther. Hypothetically, he could have gone and said, hey, pick 1 to 10, 1 to 5. He could have picked any range he wanted to. Was there something significant from 10 to 30, 20 to 30? I don't know. Specifically saying 18, again, I don't know. Pick 18 is the Detroit Lions. Second pick in the first round. Pick 20 is the Seattle Seahawks. Their second pick in the first round. The Seahawks are GM by John Schneider. Guess what he likes to do? Trade back a lot. There's a couple other teams there at the beginning of the 20s that like to trade backs. I don't know. Just a little perk up there when I heard the range he was talking about for trading up. I thought you were going to say draft bad players in the first round when you were talking about John Schneider. But yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, He does like to trade <laughs> back. Collier. There's yes. nothing that's like great or terrible. There's no in between for him, really. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I, I do think... It's very interesting that um, the Chiefs have had so many wide receivers in to work out this week. Obviously, Quentin Johnston working out with Patrick Mahomes at the TCU facility. I think it is a little bit noteworthy, but players train at their facilities all the time. It's not incredibly out of the ordinary for something like that to happen. For Zay Flowers to show up, and the report being his visits are done, he was done with visits, he got done with Tennessee, wrote it off, we are absolutely good, and then he was asked to come down there and practice with Patrick Mahomes. Now, some some media people reported that it was the Chiefs that asked that. Brett Veach threw a lot of water on top of that because I'm certain he's looking at this in the future going, man, if we do this enough times, the NFL is going to tell us, no, you cannot do this anymore. You can't. You can't be having these guys come and work out with your quarterback. You can't do that. So I I do think that he tried to kind of douse the flames of that fire immediately there. But that is incredibly noteworthy that they just basically said, hey, go down there and practice with Patrick Mahomes or his representation said, hey, we're going to have you go down there with that practice with Patrick Mahomes because either the team wants him 
or he wants to be with the team and somebody needs a little extra convincing that this is the right move, then Brett Veach is sitting there talking about trading up. I mean, there, there's a lot of dots to connect here, but Zay Flowers being there this week with Patrick Mahomes, I think is just incredibly noteworthy in the grand scheme of things in a round. A lot of teams in the 20s seem to need a receiver. Yep. That's also interesting to me, too, just because maybe it's a little gamesmanship and they're wanting somebody else to kind of get pushed down the board because they're going to go somewhere else, but they're making everybody else think that it's receiver. You know, hey, by the way, we're going to jump right in front of all these teams, or we might jump right in front of all these teams that are wanting to take receiver. They're trying to create chaos. Zay Flowers shows up. Schefter has the report. It's not a quiet thing. I mean, you know, I don't know. It could just be, it, it could be, hey, we're doing it all out in front, or it could be a little smokescreen, a little activity trying to, uh, trying to scare some teams up there. We're going to take a break. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to KC Sports Network. We'll be right back after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. the like button hit the subscribe button if you're watching hey it helps us grow this channel it helps us grow kc sports network and make sure that you're subscribed because during the draft myself craig maddie we will be covering the entire draft it kc sports network will be on air all three days every single pick just like we did last year it was a lot of fun we had a great time Another reminder here, we do have the Super Chat open uh, today. Uh, so if you want to use that, by all means, feel free to help support KC Sports Network. We'll be doing some cool stuff potentially with that, and we're not allowed to talk about it yet, but we might be doing some cool stuff with that too. So we're kind of testing that out then a little bit before draft weekend. So I uh, really appreciate everybody. Again, though, uh means a lot that you're supporting KC Sports Network. So... Last or earlier in the week, we did the kind of perfect day one, day two, day three fits offense. Today, we're going to do the defensive side of the ball because there were uh, more pressing things like anything, uh, because defense doesn't matter. Uh, as oh, we all know, shut up. <laughs> we'll be speed <laughs> rounding. We'll be, we'll be speed rounding through. Jordan, mute this man. <laughs> we're going to cut the defense. You didn't think that, Craig? He's cutting the defense short. Buddy, I Kit knows he's only. seeing me next week, and that I have reach on him. So this is a dangerous game that he's playing. Oh, you're not gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna give me a bigger hug? Oh no! Yeah, yeah, it's about to be on site, buddy. I'm so I'm so disheartened. 
we had six offensive positions, only five defensive positions, and we're cutting them short. This is this is the perfect show. <laughs> Yikes. A lot of offense bled into this defense talk. This is great. Uh, anyway, so if you don't remember what we did uh, on Tuesday, we did day one, day two, day three fits, uh, the, the best fits that we think uh, kind of in those ranges for every single position. We will start with the defensive end spot. And the day one ideal fit, I can't believe we are sitting here April 20th having the conversation on the feasibility. But you want to talk about trade-up range? If Miles Murphy's down there at 20-ish, we might have to start thinking about getting a guy that we have a very high grade on in the KCSN draft guide, Matthew. Oh, I'm going to take this one, Kent. Since we're cutting this short, I am taking it. So, (laughs) no, Miles Murphy. A super athlete, long player, got the capability to, you know, kind of beat guys up the arc. When you turn on the tape, you see a guy that has plenty of burst, plenty of speed. It's going to translate really well to the NFL. The reason why Miles Murphy is even going to be remotely close to where the Kansas City Chiefs are is because he's still raw. He's still got a little bit to learn. He doesn't always see... You know, the mesh point particularly well when he's attacking things. He's more of kind of a, a singular read kind of guy. You want to give him to Joe Cullen and have him learn the scheme, especially since Miles Murphy didn't get Brent Venables in, you know, his last year in the NFL or in college. You're going to give him to Joe Cullen, have him learn the scheme with that sort of athletic traits and all the boxes that he can check for Steve Spagnolo and this Chiefs defense. That is a high ceiling defensive end. And so that's about the most perfect round one fit that I can think of at the end of the draft that doesn't require a massive trade up if he does truly fall because of that reason. I have full trust that Steve Spagnolo and Joe Cullen are perfectly capable of taking that guy and turning him into a stud pass rusher. Now all of a sudden you would have a candidate for a guy that could potentially be a defensive end one type in his rookie deal. Getting that guy in the back half of round one, even if it may take him a year to get to the point where he can start to really start to really reach his potential, that's that's a slam dunk pick for me. Let's uh let's go to Isaiah Foskey, day two, Matthew. This one might surprise some people because I, I was feel like say, Isaiah we, Bull, <laughs> we've been a little lower on the big Fosk. Um but he here it is. Oh, no, me too. Like, right, I kind of led this charge similar to last year when I started out leading the charge on George Karloftis and then kind of turned, <laughs> turned the turntables, so to speak. Um, we're doing it again with Foskey, but for a different reason. Not because I'm sitting here saying, oh, look, go back five years and you can see him be athletic or something like that. Like, that's not the case here. Here it is with Isaiah Foskey. He's very long, very strong, great run defender, right? Already right there. Steve Spagnuolo is already interested. So I can already build the case the best fit based on how he looks and how he plays. Done. As is. But the reason I like him and I see a little more upside, he's not a bendy player. He's a power rusher, but he does have some ability. He knows the concept to win the corner. He long arms. He chops across it. He throws a cross jump and like he understands how he has to turn the corner and it's not based on speed or bend. The problem is when he rushes at an offensive tackle, he's always square to them. He's running almost like his nipples straight into their nipples, his numbers into their numbers. And even though he tries the long arm off of it, you're squared up. There's less range here. I'm now covering less range. Whereas if he can start to aim 
slightly past the tackle towards their outside hip or to the back of the quarterback's drop, he can extend that one arm. He rushes through his long arm a ton. He can now extend that arm out to the side, more length, less surface area to touch. All of a sudden, I think his rush attack, not even the plan, just his attack becomes a lot more potent. I trust Joe Cohen to kind of work on him with stuff like this. I think he's a guy that you can work with. He seems smart. He seems to understand how to do stuff. I just think he needs a little bit of help. So I think there might be some untapped pass rush potential there. And I hate to be helmet scouting, right? But there's a long Notre Dame defensive ends that have been just like him. Athletic, thick, good verse to run that came into the NFL, not polished pass rushers. Both Aquara brothers, uh, Dalen Hayes, just a couple years ago, these guys all kind of got more polished as pass rushers in the NFL. There might be something with the coaching there, just the way it currently is, to where they're set up to excel as college defensive ends, not necessarily NFL draft prospect. I'm just buying in on a little bit more upside if I can teach him literally to change his aiming point, like one and a half feet farther upfield. I think there might be some more potential to his game. Well, I do think that we have to put an explicit tag on this now because Maddie was talking about nipples so much in that last segment. Uh, I didn't say nipples once. I just said nips. <laughs> you shorthanded. I think it's okay. I think we're gonna have to re. I think we're gonna have to replay that because I think you said nipples twice. Um, I, I hey, look, uh, Isaiah Foskey broke the Notre Dame record for career sacks. There's a lot of effort sacks in there, but like in some ways. At 63, it's still not a bad thing to find a guy that's had a lot of sack production that plays the run well, plays hard, has the effort to get those sacks. Like I'm just now. Are you describing Foskey or last year's first round pick? Um, uh, the day three fit for me, uh, is Viliami Fahoko out of San Jose State. So he's a guy that some people think might wind up kicking inside a little bit. But when you're looking, I I think he can hold up and play on the edge. You know, as a as a rotational piece. Honestly, you know, he's a massive, massive human, 6'4", 276, 33-inch arms, played in a two-point stance some at San Jose State. But, I, I mean, he's another guy that we're, we're sitting here, we're talking about a hey, effort, plays the run well, physical, you know, good length. I mean, this is the exact same kind of stuff that we're talking about with, you know, Fajoko. He's definitely not the same kind of pass rusher or the same kind of caliber or probably has the ceiling of this of the of a caliber of Isaiah Foskey. I don't think it's just technical refinement for him. I think he's a lot more stiff and rigid even than Isaiah Foskey. But if you're looking at a big guy that can play the run, you know, that can eat snaps, I mean that's what you're looking for out of a day three defensive end. I think Viliami Fahoko is a guy that could wind up making the roster and being on this team for uh, you know, just because of, you know, some of the effort, energy, physicality that he presents and the ability to play the run, it's a great start. He's not without you know, an ability to rush the passer entirely. But, I mean, I wouldn't bank on him being a highly productive, disruptive pass rusher when it's all said and done. Let's move on to the defensive tackles. We're going to start with Mozzie Smith out of Michigan. Craig, I'm going to let you talk about him because our day two guy is, is somebody that... Uh, I know. We we have to let Maddie talk about our day two then. So yeah. I no, I, I can talk Mozzie and you can do Gervon Dexter, kid. Like we got I got I got Mozzie Smith. Okay, here it is. He's a nose tackle, right? That's what he does. He nose tackles. Um, if you watch the right game, you see some some explosiveness. You see some really good athleticism. He's very agile laterally. 
for a 330 pound guy. He can sidestep a guard. He can sidestep a center. He can and he can throw them out of the way. So there's really good lateral agility. He's a very good athlete in that regard, and he's incredibly strong. Right. So right there, you have this guy that strong can hold up first to run, can hold up first double teams, is actually really good at locating the ball, holding his ground, locating the ball, and going to make an impact on the play or at least freeing up other guys. At a pass rushing situation, he has the lateral agility to beat his block. The one issue that I kind of have with Mozzie Smith is I really don't see a lot of pass rush potential because once he beats a block, it takes him a minute to get going and closing the quarterback, and then when he gets there, he's so out of control, he really struggles to finish the play. So, like, I don't know if there is a ton going on in terms of his ability to pass rush, but he can stop the run. He's bare, he's the best run-stuffing defensive tackle in this class, and there's enough athleticism that you can talk yourself in that he doesn't have to come off the field his entire career on third downs. I think you might start there, but he would very much fulfill and exceed anything the Chiefs have had a nose tackle under Steve Spagnuolo. Kit, you got big Gerve. Okay. Uh, that's fine. This is I was the, this the, did Gervin Dexter wind up being a my guy for you, Matthew? I believe so. It sounds right. If he's not, he should have been. I just mocked Big Gervin Dexter to the Chiefs uh, at pick sixty three in a mock draft exercise I did today. Um, I am. I don't know if I'm not riding. I'm not. I'm not driving the bandwagon like Maddie Lane is for Gervin Dexter. But I definitely. I'm on the ride for sure. I am a very big fan of Gervin Dexter. Um, I think you, I think you might've said it the other day, like Gervin Dexter's get off kid, like his, his snap timing is perhaps the worst in this class and the worst recent memory, but there's so much to like about him. Like there is so much positive and there's, there's so many traits that you're just intrigued by. I think I told Maddie that this the other day, there are snaps where he looks like Chris Jones. Like there are snaps rushing where he's, you know, using his length, he's getting all, he's getting his hands clean, he's getting his body clean, he's shooting a gap and and making plays in the backfield without a great get-off. But it looks like Chris Jones coming out of college, more specifically coming out of college, I think, is the best way of putting it. But I think he actually plays the run pretty well, too. Like, I think there's more positive traits, and in, in, um, I think there's upside as a run defender where I think he's already able to do it. Uh, at a decent level, he's better at the point of attack. He's better anchoring at the point of attack. Um, you know, he'll slip into a gap from time to time and make a play behind the line of scrimmage in the run game as well. I don't think he's guessing as much. You know, I I, I don't think he's just he's just trying to get upfield and try to figure things out and try to make a plays where you kind of saw that with Chris Jones a little bit earlier. I think there's a little bit more cerebral nature to what he does. Um, along the interior really good measurables i think yeah if you fix the get off a little bit I, I, terrifying i think he's i think he'd be an outstanding uh an outstanding pit in day two real intriguing prospect matthew or uh craig dates day three defensive tackle western kentucky nose tackle broderick martin broderick martin is six five and he is 337 pounds with 34 and 3 8 inch arms. I know that people are going to look at that profile and say, you're, you're going to play a 6'5 man at nose tackle. He's going to lose leverage and all that. Guess what? Yes, you are. This man is immovable at a, as a zero or a one tech. And he's got such terrific eyes as a defensive lineman. Mike DeVito talks about it all the time. The ability to extend your arms get yourself to where you can peek around whoever the blocker is if it's a one-on-one -on -one situation 
and control the point of attack, then shed to get to the running back, get to the ball carrier, whoever it is. Broderick Martin does that exceptionally well. He's got so many highlights of him just isolating and controlling a center in one-on-one blocks, even from double teams. He's able to kind of create stalemates along the line of scrimmage, and that is hard to do for anybody these days, especially as it gets to you know a little bit slimmer defensive linemen and things like that. Roderick Martin makes a ton of sense for a defensive line that doesn't have a lot of true nose tackle talent, and I think that he's got growth beyond this. I don't know that you're ever going to see him as a pass rusher, like at all, maybe. There may be little glimpses here and there where he's pushing the pocket, but it's not going to be much. But I do see a player that could potentially turn into a truly elite nose tackle. He just plays the run that well, controls gaps that well in a Joe Cullen scheme, that's going to play a little bit of light boxes on occasion, having a nose tackle that you can trust to just be in the middle of the field, especially next to Chris Jones, who we know is going to catch a lot of double teams, going to catch a lot of penetration there. Having a guy that can win a one-on-one and make sure that the run gaps are completely closed next to Chris Jones is a huge boon, especially if you're getting him at day three. We're going to take a break. We'll be back to talk about perfect defensive fits for the linebacker, cornerback, and safety positions right after this. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button if you're watching. Appreciate everybody that's been hanging out with us here at KC Sports Network. It's been a lot of fun. I cannot wait for next week when we will be uh, doing live coverage of the NFL Draft. Linebacker, best fits. Day one at the linebacker position. What say you, Craig? Any linebacker being taken before 31. That's I know that go. we cheaped out. We we did that <laughs> in the offensive thing as well, but the same holds true for the Chiefs and the linebacker position. They have a really good linebacker group. I, I am very confident in this group. They do not need to add another body to this group early in the draft. I know that that's famous last words with Brett Veach and his day two linebackers, but... They don't need to. That's This is a very good group. It's going to get them through this season, and then they can reevaluate, sign some of those internal guys. Get Jack Campbell to go off the board before pick 31. Bill. No, get Drew Sanders to go off the board out of Arkansas there. Jack Campbell's Bill. out of Iowa. Hell, if you even get a guy like Trenton Simpson, you get a team that falls in love with him. I don't Here, think Bill. he's going to get three deep, but man, Get these guys off the board because that's dropping truly elite prospects down the road there. So literally any linebacker going before pick 31 is a major win for the Chiefs, let alone two guys. Maddie, day two. Day two, we're going with another my guy from the uh, draft guide. Um, so apparently I just pigeonhole all of my guys into perfect Chiefs fits like because I just strong-armed the system here. Um, Diane Henley, linebacker uh, from Washington State. The reason I think he's probably the best fit for the Chiefs on day two is if you look at the Chiefs linebacker room, right? Willie Gay, final year of his contract. Drew Tranquil signed a one-year deal. So technically, final year of his contract. Those are your two linebackers that can cover anything, right? I mean, maybe Nick Bolton's okay dropping into zone. We haven't really seen Leo Chanel, but looking at his tape at Wisconsin, not his strongs. They don't have a coverage linebacker on the roster as of right now for next year. So if we're talking day two linebacker, I'm going to pick the guy that's the best in coverage, and that's Diane Henley. He used to play wide receiver quarterback in high school, wide receiver in college. 
Now he played, switched to linebacker. You see that. You see his understanding of the game. He understands spacing. He understands route concepts. He knows where to be. He has good length. His arms, he's always like six foot tall, but he has 33-inch arms. That's really long arms. So he's got the length to play in the middle of the field, affect passing lanes. Like I think he's kind of the perfect linebacker for what the Chiefs will be missing going into next year without any signings being made. So if the Chiefs are dying, to spend another day two pick on linebacker because Brett Veach thinks it's a deep linebacker class. He's the only person that thinks it's a deep linebacker class, but he thinks it's a deep linebacker class. Diane Hedley would be the guy, I think, on day two because even if he didn't play this year, he's going to give you the most bang for your buck next year. All right, so the day three fit of the linebacker position is Jeremy Banks out of Tennessee, a guy that they had in for a top 30 visit, just connecting a few dots here or there. Uh, you know, sometimes the Chiefs like to use those those top 30 visits as a recruiting tool for undrafted free agent type players. Jeremy Banks is kind of on the lower end of that. I think he's around six, seven type grade for me, has a chance of getting drafted, but, you know, I think it'll be a little bit tight for him. Um, but there's, you know, he, he's a, he's a will, I mean, he's a will linebacker, you know, you're not going to mistake him for a Sam, <laughs> you know, he's kind of a pigeonholed position linebacker where, you know, he spent a lot of time as an overhang at Tennessee. Um, in fact, I think, you know, his best work's done kind of as an overhang, the closer he gets to the ball, I think things become a little bit more inconsistent. He's going to have to, you know, learn at times a little bit to, to navigate some traffic here or there, uh, better because that was something that kind of popped up with him, but comfortable and confident draft, dropping in coverage has a decent understanding of route concepts but he's got the kind of ability movement skills that he should be able to to play as a will linebacker he can cover and show some you know some chops there a, a late day three flyer he makes some sense especially with some special teams value as well i think he can be a, he a bill he's not a bill uh they they took they took one in round one hopefully so they you know late day three jeremy banks wouldn't be stunned to see him added into the mix. All right, quarterback position. We'll uh, we'll go to Matthew for the day one best fit at cornerback. So this, I guess, might be a little bit of a sleeper for a day one corner, right? Because I don't see him in a lot of round one mocks anymore. He was in the middle of the season, and then something kind of happened, and they're not entirely sure what. But Cam Smith, a cornerback out of South Carolina. Six foot, 187 pounds. Maybe that's part of it. He's not as big as some of the other guys. Quality length, good athlete. Like, he kind of checked all the boxes, but I don't think that he stood out more so than, I guess, a lot of these other guys working out in shorts and a t-shirt. But, man, you walk this back into the tape, and, like, he's really good. And what I think about Cam Smith that kind of separates him from a lot of these other guys, uh, he's not specific to one type of coverage. He's not just a man-to-man cover guy that has to play press technique. He's not just a zone coverage guy that wants to fly up and hit people. He has the ability and the IQ to play boundary and in the slot. He played in the slot against Jalen Hyatt. When Jalen Hyatt was torching everybody, South Carolina did put him in the slot. He played like 15 yards off every play, but they trusted him one-on-one against Jalen Hyatt while he was torching at all of college football out of the slot. He played on the boundary versus Cedric Tillman in the red zone. Like He played all over the place. He plays man. He plays zone. I kind of think he checks all of the boxes the Chiefs would be looking for. He's got an issue with penalties. He gets a little too grabby. He likes to grab, especially at the catch point. He he arrives early a lot, just trying to be overly physical. He does he grabs the top of his routes. These are things that I don't think scare the Chiefs off, though. Looking at corners they've taken in the past or the guys that they've had on this team, I don't think they're overly concerned about corners that draw penalties. So, like, I think he fits a lot of what the Chiefs would like out of the position. And actually, I had a first round, I had a late first round grade on him, 
the other people when they secondary graded him bumped him out to just outside the first round so he's like a super early second round grade in the kcs and draft guide but i believe the 15th overall player right around there we have him as a first round pick uh going down the board i had him right there and i just think out of all the guys in the first round he probably best fits what the chiefs like to do out of that position yeah, he's definitely getting more day two love out there in public, but I'm glad you kind of brought him up because, look, I mean, this is a guy that we have in the top 20 in the KCSN draft, draft guy. We think pretty highly of him. I mean, we'll see. Uh, but that's I, – I, I, I'm glad you brought him up. Day two, Ema, Julius Brents, cornerback out of Kansas State. Uh, he's might be my favorite prospect uh out of out of k-state this year i mean i don't think he's gonna be the highest graded but like i he's such a unique profile and he's absolutely crushed the pre-draft process i think he's helped himself immensely tested extremely well um you know at the nfl combine but this is just an absolutely ginormous supersized corner like 34 inch arms big physical uh you know, 6'3", 194 inch arms. Like, that's ridiculous. Uh, ran a four five three forty, which is pretty good for a guy his size. He is a little stiff. So, I think a team, you know, much... I'm not going to compare him to Tariq Woolen, but Tariq Woolen's thriving in Seattle. They plan more on a vertical plane. I think Julius Brents is a guy you want to kind of play more on a vertical plane. Uh, a good zone corner. You know, great length to disrupt at the, at the, um, at the line of scrimmage. Um, and you know, I, I think he can play like he could play up, he can play cover too more than capably because he's got that length of disrupt there to sink underneath stuff if they want him. Continue to play on that vertical plane. Give me Julius Brent's day two. Uh, he he might be gone before the Chiefs pick at 63, though. Like, there's a very realistic scenario where that happens. I mean, yeah, that's what happens with big athletic cornerbacks and the NFL last year did the thing that they do every once in a while where they look at the athletic testing and all of that, and they go, you know what? Yeah, that dude has a lot of stuff that he needs to work on. We're not going to take the gamble. We're going to take the guy with a little bit better film that's not a good athlete. And guess what happens? Those good athletes end up being really good football players almost immediately. Tariq Woolen, Julius Brintz, you know what they have in common, Kit? Can you tell me? They're long? They're, they're tier one C-back, oh. guys. Just ask me. I should have asked you, Maddie, because Kent was not paying attention to me. I'm certain of that. <laughs> well, so, was, you were talking about defense. Of course he wasn't. My guy that I'm going with as a day three pick that would be an ideal fit for the Kansas City Chiefs is also a tier one C-bat guy, Ja'Korian Bennett, out of Maryland. Maybe a guy that kind of snuck up a little bit on the process because he popped at the NFL Combine, ended up being a truly elite tester has the length, you know, just under 32-inch arms, runs a 4-3-40. But the way that you look at him when you turn on the film, he defends the run aggressively. He is not scared to step up and try and defend the run, and he is not afraid to contend at the catch point. Now, doesn't have a ton of interceptions. Not a guy that's going to bring the ball down very often, but does a good job being very physical at the catch point, contending there on the boundary, that's what Steve Spagnuolo wants his guys to do. He wants to be able to put them a little bit on the island, give them just a little bit of safety help when they need it against certain receivers, and force a quarterback to try and throw a challenging throw into a long defender that potentially has some explosion and can contend at the catch point. That's what he did with Legereus Sneed. It's what he's done throughout his career in Kansas City. Jarvarius Ward was kind of a similar guy. 
That's exactly what he wants to do. Jacorian Bennett as a day three guy to round out this room is an absolute steal, and you got to bet on that athletic profile. One more position before we get out of here, the perfect is fit for the safety position. Do you want to you see how quickly we can get through this one? No. <laughs> I could I talk hear to you. Craig, I want to I hear Craig talk about this best day one fit at the safety position. All right. Uh, what, why, just, thank okay. you, Maddie. I am ecstatic to be talking about Alabama safety Brian Branch. I can't keep that bit up. Um, Alabama uh, safety Brian Branch is realistically the only safety who probably should go in day one of the NFL draft. This is not a particular... counts as a safety or a corner? I was getting ready to mention that, Maddie, because that's an individual that tested at cornerback this year and is labeled i think he's labeled on nfl.com as a cornerback as well yes it is look at kit getting into drawing out this segment as well thanks buddy i really appreciate that (laughs) so uh, (laughs) yeah he's also labeled as a little bit of a corner because he can do a little bit of that he can kick down in the slot he can kind of stand up and play in man coverage against a slot receiver He's also big enough and physical enough to match up against a tight end, especially as the tight end position gets a little bit lighter every single year. Brian Branch is an ideal candidate to do a lot of things for a secondary that Steve Spagnuolo could look at as more of an amoebic secondary. You can play three safeties. I know that Brett Veach in his presser mentioned Mike Edwards as a guy that they see as a safety three and a guy that they liked that was just kind of around after all the free agency kind of kicked out there. They really like him a lot. Brian Branch is a much better version of a guy that can come out there and allow them to move those three safeties around to wherever you're going to move them. He can play in the slot. Legereus Sneak and Trent McDuffie could play outside in certain sub packages. If you had certain teams that that was a better fit for you, it opens up so many doors for Steve Spagnolo and what he can do with exotic rotations with his safety trio with the types of coverages that he can run with those guys. I think that Brian Branch, while he's not an elite tester, not necessarily somebody that's going to ever blow the doors off, and I don't know that he's ever going to be a top five safety in the NFL, and I know that people are going to look at round one safeties and say that's why you draft a round one safety. I think he's got the potential with his intelligence to unlock so many different things and make the entire back end of this defense so much better, so much more you know, amoebic and, you know, confusing to quarterbacks. I think that he would be an ideal pick. I know it's not a position of need, but I would be running to the table for Brian Branch to have him on my defense. I love him that much. I knew I wanted to hear Craig talk about Brian Branch. And I've considered asking him more questions here just to just to prolong this and anger. Shoot, and- let's go. Worry. Okay. Fun, fun, fun fact. Um, according to PFF, he has the best missed tackle rate they have ever charted coming into the NFL draft. That's that's wild. Here's that's a guy playing. We're saying he's a corner. We're we're sitting here saying this guy's playing corner, right? He's playing corner yeah. and he tackles like that. Like, what what does that mean if you're playing corner and you can be the best tackler that PFF has ever seen? It means that Steve Spagnuolo loves you unconditionally. That's what it means. No, it, yeah, and I mean, man, we're talking he can play in the slot. I'm not certain he can't play out wide in certain matchups. Like, you want to send a tight end out there, let him go do it. Like, you're a little limited on the deep speed, but hey, he's really smart. All right, anyway, we're going to move on to uh, Sidney Brown, safety out of Syracuse. 
Not near as versatile as Brian Branch. Uh, not as good either. And he might be the second safety off the board, right? But I think there's a pretty big gap between these two guys. The thing with Sidney Brown, he's a little bit smaller, very compact, very great shape, supreme athlete, but he's at his best playing close to the line of scrimmage. So you're maybe not getting the most versatile safety. You're kind of getting a rather specific safety. I do think he has some man coverage skills. Like you could put him in man coverage or say tight end. If you're going up against certain offenses, you could probably have him play man coverage against certain slot receivers in certain schemes that aren't asking him to just play pure man coverage with no help anywhere across the field, right? So a little bit more specific to being a strong safety. But for the Chiefs' purposes, we've got word recently that Mike Edwards is the third safety, at least for this year. If they wanted to go forward with Brian Cook, whether it's as a, as a starter next to Justin Reed, or maybe they like him better going back to a third safety role in the future, Sidney Brown would make a lot of sense. It would be a little bit more specific. He's not going to be ranging all across the back end and then sliding down into the slot and doing all the same stuff. But if you have a versatile third safety, plus Sidney Brown, plus Justin Reed, you kind of have everything covered, and he gives you a little bit more of a dynamic player underneath. I'd say right now, with Brian Cook, he's not the most dynamic player. He doesn't lay big hits. He's not a turnover machine or anything like that. He's just a solid football player. Sidney Brown becomes a little bit more of a playmaker that you're inserting on the back end. I don't really expect the Chiefs to go this route. I, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I think if they are going to take a safety in day two, it would be Sidney Brown falling to the end of round three, and they're just sitting there staring at him like, okay, this value is just way too good. Let's just go ahead and bring him in and figure it out from there. Let's talk about day three safeties. And I, Brandon Joseph from Notre Dame, before he was at Notre Dame, some people thought was a first-round pick someday at the safety position. Transferred to Notre Dame, played there. And I, I think we talked a little bit about this on the safety show like recently. It's just like it feels like the hate might have gone too far or the slander might have gone th too far. Brandon Joseph, I, he's got top-shelf instincts for the position. Like, I think he's got, you know... He's got it between the ears as good, not maybe or up there, not quite as good maybe, but close to anybody in this class. I think Brian Branch might might have it, but that's not. I mean, that's that's not a knock. The athletic profile is not very good for Brandon Joseph. It's quite average, and it shows up on tape. He's not particularly fast, um, and he is definitely having to rely on his ability between the ears. But it still flashes. He still flashes. He still shows up. He still makes outstanding reads. He still makes great plays. You know, he does a good job in space. Like, there are good, there's still good things that Brandon Joseph does that we don't appreciate enough. And he's just an extremely smart football player. And I I know the athleticism's not great. And it's, you know, bordering on like maybe not good enough for some teams in the NFL. But he's a guy I want on my football team. We just got done hearing uh, Brett Veach talk in the press conference about the value of intelligence, you know, across the board, Brandon Joseph's football intelligence, I think is extremely high. He'd be a guy I think could be protected well in the two, in too high structure. And he's a good football player. Uh, I would love to see a guy like him available in day three, because you're just getting a really smart, talented football player. Maybe not the most elite athleticism, but there's so much else to like about his game. That is going to do it for this week on the KC laboratory. Next week's going to be a lot of fun. We can't wait. We're so excited. Uh, come hang out with us at Pizza Bar and no other pub during the week. Uh, we've got all kinds of stuff going on next week for the draft. Cannot wait. We'll catch you later. I hope they draft all defense just for Kent.
Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. Covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current. Plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou. By searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.